Welcome to The Humble Hustle, the only podcast for inspiration and motivation with real-world examples of failures that redefine success for men and women who understand that hustling happens every single day. Welcome to Humble Hustle. I'm Jackie. I'm Nicole. And Vivian. We're here today talking to Amy Peterson about starting a social enterprise in Detroit um, that serves women who have barriers to employment, like homelessness, being refugees, and previous incarceration. Hi, Amy. Hi. And this Tell is so cool. Tell us a little about, about yourself and about Rebel Nell. Yes, I am the co-founder and CEO of Rebel Nell. Uh, Rebel Nell is a social enterprise in Detroit that exists to employ, educate, and empower women with barriers to employment. And what we do in, in not only providing employment, but we also provide all the wraparound services they need to help transition them into the traditional workforce. And how we do that is we make jewelry out of graffiti once it falls off the walls in the city of Detroit. Wow, that's amazing. And it's stunning. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So tell us about how that was conceived. How did you get this idea? Why? graffiti that's fallen off of the wall? <laughs> it's a great question, and I think um, if you were to say, Amy, this is what you'd be doing with your life seven years ago, I would have said no way. Um, I always envisioned myself working in the sports industry. It's what brought me to Detroit about oh, 12 years ago, and um, while I was working in sports, I was living right next to Cots, which is a well-known mm. shelter downtown, and yeah. so I would walk my dog and have conversations with the residents, and a lot of my challenges with sort of being empowered in the sports industry, I was kind of taking that frustration and, and funneling into starting Rebel Nell, and I didn't even realize the parallels. But here I met these incredible women who so often left challenging situations in search of a better opportunity, not only for themselves but for their family. And I was really inspired by that. And kind of given the context of Detroit at the time, it was 2012, you know, we were in the midst of a recession. So a lot of the government programming had kind of gone away and there are lots of grassroots moment, movements happening so I thought oh what could we do uh, to create a company that would teach a woman to fish what mm -hmm. does that look like and that was really the impetus for for starting the company was the mission first and then the product was secondary okay and and you're in l3c not an llc correct so what does that mean um it's it's a <laughs> great question and a few know what we are so it's a it, it's a limited low profit liability company and essentially what we're treated like an LLC for all intents and purposes but it's showcasing that we're mission first versus financially driven first mm -hmm. um, and a few states have them I think maybe 13 states uh, have the L3C formation but why pick that I think um, it's a good question um, when we first started um, they're, they're, and it still is available. Uh, foundations have to give out what's called PRI money. It's a 5% of, of their revenue every year. Um, and L3Cs are eligible to get that money as an investment. So there's some financial advantage as well as the marketing behind it. If you say, you know, you're an L3C, people understand that you are mission driven mm -hmm. first. So that was a lot of the reasoning behind it. In practice, it's become um, really just treated for like all purposes, like IRS, we're treated like an LLC. Okay. okay. So tell us about that first year at Rebel Now, because it wasn't your full-time job. You're, you're doing something else. Yes. Um, but you also launched not only the 
company, Mission First, but then how to figure out how to make the product. So what did year one look like, which was 2013? So we're looking back six years. Um, it started with, okay, what are we going to make that could provide employment? And then what could we sell that would provide the wraparound services? What is, we wanted, my business partner and I, Diana, uh, we wanted to make something that was Detroit-centric. We had lots of ideas um, and nothing was really working. And then one day I went running on the DeQuinder Cut, saw a piece of graffiti that had fallen on the ground. thought, that's pretty cool, just on its surface. And what if we could expose all of the layers, mm-hmm. right? And I love the, the symbolism there. I love that it was showcasing the history of this great city, that it was also, I, I've really felt symbolic of the women that we wanted to employ at the time was you know, so often discarded by society, yet they're truly beautiful and have all these incredible layers mm-hmm. if you just take the time to get to know them. So we brought it home. Uh, we started playing around, f- and four months later, we had a prototype um, that we just kept tweaking. And there was no real Rebel Nell at that point in time. It was literally Diana and I making it in our apartments, you know, shavings everywhere, begging <laughs> our then boyfriends, now husbands. Uh, to help make it and we spent we did the first batch you know I felt it was very important for us to understand the product to understand the quality and how could we teach the women um, and and enable them to have a voice through the jewelry so that was really the first year was just uh, prototyping and then we hired um, financially it wasn't smart at all and it's the learning (laughs) curves of starting a business we only had enough money to um, bring on one woman from the shelter maybe part-time and we rolled the dice and we brought on three which just I mean every accountant in the book would have been like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) you're never gonna survive and we just decided you know what we we fell in love with these three and we were gonna make it work you know come come hell or high water and we did and they have graduated and now they're part of our alumni network and the rest is Keep so, talking along. So at that time, had you considered the LC3 or were you a for-profit, you know? Well, actually, and, and uh, just to clear up that an L3C is actually a for-profit company. Mm-hmm. It's just saying that you're, you put your mission before the profit. So instead mm-hmm. of, like, I like to compare it to, it would be so easy for us to take this business model and we could ship it overseas mm-hmm. and sell the same product but what we focus on is the people and that's the most important part of our business and so that's where our focus is and financially your decisions are take into account the people that you hire first okay does that make sense yeah so who helped you to make that decision I mean did you speak with a banker was it your kind of um, you know relationship and working you know um, in the positions that you had as an employee how did you come about making a decision to become an LC3? Um, the decision was actually, you know, talking to a lot of people in this space, in sort of the social enterprise world, which actually I didn't even know what a social enterprise was until about two years later. Someone said, wow, you're such a cool social enterprise. Um, and all of a sudden there's Scooby-Doo ears. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is a social enterprise? Um, and I'm, um, I'm a lawyer by trade, so okay. having done just a little bit of my own research, and these were fairly new at the time. I thought maybe we were going to be on the forefront of something mm-hmm. cool. Um, so yeah, we're and we're still a little bit on the forefront. Yeah. It's it's continue. I'm seeing more and more L3Cs pop up, uh, but it still hasn't been a big, right. big sweeping sensation just yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talking about starting the business, so you 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 are a lawyer by trade. Yes. You also have an MBA. Yes. 
do you like looking back you're like i got this i'm a lawyer i know business i can start a business or mm-hmm. were the things you thought were going to be helpful not the things that helped you at all in kind of growing and developing this business. Right, because you would think you're just going to be set. <laughs> oh, God, you got far I have from it. so much knowledge. Oh. <laughs> and MBA. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there is a book out there that can teach you for what real life, real world mm-hmm. experience is. Yeah. It's just, there's, nothing can. I can have, I could have eight more degrees on my resume. It's still... There's nothing like trial by fire yeah. and figuring it out and dealing with people. Like there's just there are no books for that. You know, yeah. managing people is just its own its own beast in and of itself. And so everything I feel like I it didn't matter. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe it helped me with reviewing contracts. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I saved money because I could review my own. But right. other than that, she can file her own L three C paper. Yeah, that's right. about that's about it. But it, it doesn't. I you know. I kind of wish I could go back at, and take business school now, you know, now after six years of having this experience. Because you the they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably would be like, uh-uh, let me tell you about this employee issue or whatever the case may be. I, I feel like I would have absorbed a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but. What do you think has been the biggest lesson? The thing that you're like, man, if someone had just told me this. Yeah. And I'm sure there's lots of those lessons. But lots. the one that What do you mean just today? Right, just today. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest lesson is get an accountant early. Mm-hmm. Um, I see well, it all the time. The other day we too. Sure did. We sure did. Because I'll tell you why. Um, QuickBooks makes you think you can do it on your own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, and, and, and it's a time, and, you're, and you become as an entrepreneur because you're so trying to manage your budget that you do everything and you're like no I don't need an accountant I can easily do this my receipts aren't that many or it's you know I don't have a lot this year I can do it I can do it um, and then you inevitably screw it up and then later on you're gonna pay the accountant to fix it all where yeah. you probably would have saved money if getting them that. from the jump and they could help you um, prioritize and, and organize we made one of the biggest mess uh, messes yeah it was a mess uh, biggest mistakes we made was very early on we did um, a a crowdfunding campaign to help us raise money for starting the business and for our first three employees. Mm-hmm. And here, um, you know, we started the, the campaign in September. We raised $25,000. It was amazing. Uh, we were so proud of that accomplishment. But here, and then we ended up hiring our first three um, employees in December. Well, the problem with that is obviously the year ends in December. We didn't have enough expenses to offset that $25,000 that we had just mm-hmm. earned. So guess what was taxed? I mean, we had to pay yeah. a huge sum of that money that we desperately needed as a startup because we weren't strategic about when we did the, the crowdfunding campaign or right. talking to an advisor. Um, and so that was a really hard lesson and, and very quick lesson that we learned right away. And so tell me about how, you know, you're a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And... I have many lawyer friends, <laughs> and they aren't always the nicest people. <laughs> so how does that translate into a, a concept to create or spark hustle that impacts women that have these barriers? How does that happen? Because you don't really think that, like, 
a lawyer comes up with this idea to help disenfranchise and marginalize women. So how did that, what sparked that for you? Where did that come from? I like that honest question. That's a good one. <laughs> um, we do have a, a some crappy have reputation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there are some of us that are good people out there. But no, I think um, I, I've never been... Um, I've never been a, a, a litigious person. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't necessarily like confrontation myself. Mm-hmm. I like the part I love about being a lawyer and the way it allows me to think is to problem solve. I like seeing things from both sides, and I think that part of me is what has enabled me to to start Rebel Now. Mm-hmm. Is that here's a problem? How do we find a solution? Mm-hmm. And what can I do to to put a drop in that? tiny like large 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 bucket that's going to take a village a city an entire Mm -hmm. country but what can I do um with the knowledge I have to to try and move the tide a tiny bit yeah and as a full disclosure I've known Amy for six years so I've gotten to watch this business grow really from almost the beginning but I also think that partially your personal experience in your corporate life is what really drove you to this and so if you would talk a little bit about that kind of yeah. corporate experience, because you're working in Major League Baseball, it is a boys club. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that really shaped and formed kind of why you chose this avenue. Yeah. And that's a it's a valid point. And um, I actually brought this up today over lunch with a good or breakfast with a good friend of mine. Um, I have a ton of hustle in me. And, mm-hmm. and, and it started really early on. I was about 14 when I realized I wanted to work in baseball. And um, it wasn't a common thing for young right. girls to have, especially <laughs> so early on. But I did you play? Did I you, play you know sports at all? I did play sports, but um, I played not a lot of softball. But it was a really happy memory for me and my dad and my grandpa. Okay, we used to go to the little minor league team. I enjoyed as a kid. I would score the game. Um, I just I liked the memories around it, uh, and so I, I set out with that that goal of I knew it was going to be an uphill battle I knew it was going to be hard being a woman and part of the reason I got both my law degree and my business degree is I wanted that Mm well-rounded mindset so that it didn't give them any reason to say no no (laughs) turns out they did still but um I remember this uh and and lots of people told me I was crazy you know why did I why would I even try I would call teams and um one NFL team in particular told me that they typically don't hire women in business roles. This was not that long ago, people. It's not like I was calling in the 40s. I mean, this right. was <laughs> this was maybe yeah. uh, maybe 15 years ago. And um, this guy in particular really fueled my fire when I thought he was going to be a tremendous mentor. He owned a bunch of minor league teams. My professor at the time said, you need to meet this guy. He may open a lot of doors for you. So I was geeked. You know, I went to hear him speak had my little suit on <laughs> I was ready I was ready Re- resume was prepped in hand in a I folder got this <laughs> and I told him my dream and I always you know envisioned being the first female general manager of a major league baseball team hasn't oh, been wow. one. hasn't been one yet um yeah. so I went to this guy afterwards and he said he I said you know this is my dream I want to get a foot in the door what do you uh what do you you know what would you encourage and he literally started laughing he's like <sighs> Honey, your best bet is to marry a player. And I was, I mean, I was totally gobsmacked. Wow. And and so sad and offended, but still had to, like, stand there. Yeah. 
and I your 14 year old dream is crushed I was 14 yeah. I and mean, now I was like 20 something and yeah. um but yeah I mean like I had put in so much time and energy and I mean every summer I was working in sports I was mm-hmm. doing something interning and I said I respectfully disagree and I literally didn't an about face and I walked out and I went back and I remember to my tiny little shoebox apartment and I cried for a solid hour and I was like all right I'm gonna show him Mm-hmm. And so Yay. I sent out five resumes right then and there. And then mm-hmm. with every rejection I would get, I would send out another three. And I have a box at my parents' house of all my rejection letters. Um, and I, I, I applied to almost I, I applied to every Major League Baseball team except for the Yankees. I just couldn't in good conscience. <laughs> <laughs> Despite how desperate I was. Um, and so, but I, I, I kept them all. And I actually have... Wait, where are you from? I'm from outside Buffalo, New York, okay. originally. <laughs> Um, and so yeah, she said the Yankees, okay. Uh, uh, Would have caused all sorts of family drama. And so and and so in my parents' house is the box with all the the resumes. And and I finally after and after I had three and I was begging to work for free. Like I just wanted a foot in the door. Yeah. Um, and finally after three rejection letters from the Tigers, I that's what brought me here. I got the opportunity and as an intern and. Kind of work my way up. So you were an intern with an MBA and a law degree. Mm-hmm. Oh, the MLB. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Wow, wow. So I think a lot of that has translated into the fire I have for for these women, and, and I believe everyone deserves another chance, whether it's your second, third, fourth. I right. am not a hard, like, oh, everyone deserves a second chance. Sometimes it takes a while, mm-hmm. and... Not everyone's a quick learner. And not everyone's a quick learner. And sometimes Rebel Nell is a third chance for women that they don't... I've had a couple women that haven't made it through Rebel Nell, like haven't gone and done the complete succession of like the two-year experience. And I can't tell you, like I've been shocked at how many emails I've received from them saying, I wasn't ready. And Mm -hmm. thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for the opportunity. So it wasn't my vision of how I saw Rebel Nell playing out in their life but it was a certain stepping stone that they mm-hmm. needed. And now they're ready for wherever they go next. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot of So tell I. us about that program and it being two years. What does that look like? Yeah, it's a, it's a rough two years. So um, I, we, we really focus on tackling the barriers that have been prohibitive in the past. So first thing you do is you come on and you, we train you to make the jewelry so you can have, start generating income. But while you're at Rebel Now, you're also taking classes. So you're taking, we try and, First, tackle the, the most important things, housing, food, um, you know, your water under Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So you get your housing taken care of. We try and get you out of the shelter as soon as we possibly can. And we get you set up with a budget and a bank account. Um, we have great relationships with our banking partners so that this is the first time they ever had a bank account. Mm-hmm. But that is the first step towards financial independence. And literacy. Absolutely. Yeah. And oh, so, so do the are the ladies referred to you from COTS? Yep. So that's your pipeline. Yep. Okay. And that's a secret to our sauce. The caseworkers okay. there are angels on this earth, and we are so grateful to have them because they will help us identify women who are ready for this transitional opportunity. You have yes. to be ready. We don't do a background check. I don't care where you've been. That isn't important. It's where you want to go, but you have to have a fire. You have to be. Uh, you have to have a desire to change your situation a willingness to work with others, and a desire to learn. You have those three things, then you'll probably be a good fit for our culture. And these women have a lot of responsibility because every one of them's mom. Every one of them is a mom. Yeah, so they're not even worried about themselves. They have 
a whole family to support on their own, yep. which is amazing that they were doing it homeless. Yep. Mm. And so once that we, and it's so funny, we used to have, when we first started Rebel Now, we had a debit card party, which sounds so silly, but it was such a cool thing to experience, right? Like that is a one step closer. Um, After that, uh, you know, whether you have barriers for transportation, do you need uh, gas cards? Do you need bus passes to make sure you can get to work? We will help with all of that support. Um, If they're uh, driving record is or driving license is suspended we ha- will offer free legal support to get that cleared up for you so wow. it's really like doing a deep dive is year mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. and then year two is now that you can breathe what have you wanted to do right. how do we focus on that to get you then ready to transition into the traditional working world mm-hmm. because so much of what's weighed you down in the past we can hopefully lighten the load I'm sure for many, this is the first time they have ever thought about that. Like, I could be something. I could do something. I could have a shop. I could go back to school. Because all they've been worrying about is, like, just one step in front of the other. The next meal, the place to stay, the... That's got to be... You're in survival mode. Right. You're in survival mode. So now that you can... You're in breathing mode, now let's get you where... One step closer to what you really want to do. And that's what's... uh, That's where I'm I'm proud of what we've done, is Mm -hmm. really doing a deep dive. And how many women do you take on, you know, annually? So I know you're saying that you brought you bring them in and they they work at Rivenale, right? Yep. And you provide all of these services. What is the annual number of participants that you guys have? So we currently have between two and four that come on every. Well, I shouldn't say that. About two and four graduate um, every two years we're, we're small but mighty i will say that mm-hmm. so we can only bring on as much as our sales are generating i ran into your space by mistake one day you <laughs> saw how small and mighty we are you did we were yes, in a meeting beautiful. and she's like i'm going to the bathroom at pony ride oh nice and 30 minutes later i'm like where are you Mom? i just kept <laughs> seeing all of these cool things happening right and i landed there with one of the and i ladies. find her with like jewelry in her hand and, and she's like look at this you know i have purse i was like i gotta come back up here and buy something <laughs> But yeah, so, so it depends. We're about to hire our 22nd woman out of the shelter. So that's like a oh, really big milestone good. for us. And it wow. just really depends on where they are. It's not like at a hard two years you're out. We want to make sure you're ready. And so if that sometimes, sometimes they need an extra six months, right? Mm-hmm. So we just, it depends on where we are. But on average, we'll bring on, I would say about four to five a year. And some have stayed in and promoted within the company. Some have been promoted within the company and our production managers and assistant production managers, and, and we like that, too. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about um, the partnership that you have with COTS. Yeah. Has there been any, any other program or partner around the city that has really helped you all be able to grow to who you are today? We owe a lot to the partnerships that we have and, and recognizing we need to know what we know and do that well and we know how to make jewelry and how to be a supportive work environment but there are so many other community resources out there that are far more educated or well-versed in certain programming so we bring them in Um, there's an amazing woman and dear friend named Yodit Messman who uh, she's done a lips and hips program with us for years and it's really Mm -hmm. focused on women empowerment she comes in um, you know, two or three times a year just to, to get focused with them. Our um, um, financial literacy partners, they come in to regularly check on them and to go through their budget. Um, try and think, what, uh, why am I blanking on some of our other partners? Uh, like PNC Bank's been a great banking partner for us and offering a lot of financial literacy classes. 
Uh, we do vision boarding with Natalia, and that's on a mm-hmm. quarterly basis. That actually has been one of the most powerful things, We uh, just to see it change. Yeah. We put it up on the wall, and sure enough, everyone makes little yeah. strides yeah. towards it. Um, uh, we, we are a big strength finders organization, and we do deep studies into to knowing what your strengths are and how – can you bring those to the table and bring it out even more? We do some retail training programs. So if you want to uh, pursue a career in customer service after the fact, you know, interacting with our customers is part of the program mm-hmm. and learning how I, I'm a big believer. And if you can learn to pitch your product, you can learn to pitch yourself in a job interview. And that's right. really important to, to be able to tell that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know talking about business, I know as all of us in the room are entrepreneurs, I think people who are outside of it always think the first year is the worst year. And to me, for anyone who's ever had a baby, like that first year, it can't be the worst year. You're just yes. so in the middle of mm-hmm. it. You can't even tell what a bad year looks like. Looking at those last six years, what was the bad year? And why was it the bad year? Um, 2016 was a really bad year for us. Um, and I can't necessarily even pinpoint why it was just it was it was bad sales were down uh, we were spending so much energy um, kind of wrangling the employees uh, they had kind of gotten a little too much power uh, and that became problematic our production was not functioning the way it did and I learned a ton as a leader and why it's important to have structure and I I think one of the fascinating things is when you leave corporate America and your first response is like, I can get rid of this. Shit. I can get rid of it. I don't need a jarg and you know, all the things you don't like. And then as you become your own business owner, you're like, I need HR. Uh, that would be a great idea. I need a handbook because this is chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, it, and so you, you start to value those things that you maybe thought were annoying, annoying <laughs> in the corporate world. And so it's just a different lens. And, and that's sort of what we did. And, and what I'm, I was ready to shut the doors in 2016. I was just I was having a hard time. Um, a lot was happening. And, uh, and I will be forever grateful to the team and the women that just rallied around us. And were like, Amy, this is something that is so powerful and it's working. We need you. Like you have to, what do you need from us? And so we all had a you know come to Jesus moment and said this has to change and this person needs to go right mm-hmm. there. There are things that you, those are hard decisions to make, but so often we maybe give people more of the benefit of the doubt than we should, mm-hmm. realizing they're they're a drain. And so how do you fix it and cut the cord and move on? And I'm grateful that we had that moment and for the team that supported me during that time because it was a rough year. So how did you ask them for help? Where'd that come from? They saw. The, uh, the one thing that's beautiful about Rebel Nell is we truly are a family atmosphere. And I think that's what also makes us work is the culture that we have. When somebody's down, there's constant this ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And we just sense it. And so, you know, someone's down. All right, let's crank the music up. We need to distract her, right? Yeah. And it, and it's always been that way. And so they knew what was happening. They knew they could see it in my face. They could, they maybe could hear me cry in the office and they, it was their turn to uplift me and they did and they did it beautifully. And if it, if it wasn't for that uh, generosity and the time that they took to even care, most people don't care about their bosses or the CEO or, (laughs) 
what happens to the business? It's just right. a job. Um, but you know, they truly got me through that. And I, and they said, what do you need to do? What do we need to do? We'll do it. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was grateful for that. And do you carry that? Like, do you feel like you learned from that moment? Like you're like, Oh, these are important lessons. Not like this oh, yeah. is a moment or one person or one thing. Oh, heck yeah. And from that, um, a ton of procedures have been implemented and it's made us better and it's made us stronger and we keep learning. I mean, that we're three years after that and I'm still trying to be better and put processes in place and and with each mistake comes a new process and you mm-hmm. just learn, you know, yeah. you just get better you with hope. time. You hope. <laughs> you hope you, you learn. You hope you get better. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's all part of the, the learning curve and, and being an entrepreneur, as you ladies all, it is hard. It's hard. Yes. It is hard. And, and to say, like to define one moment that was bad. Right. We're like on a weekly basis. It's <laughs> like, I mean, I could shut it down one hour to the next, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's a roller coaster yeah, and it's not just an overall year, but I mean, I'm just reflecting on, you know, last week, I remember Tuesday, I was like, well, the Lock her up. <laughs> <laughs> and Wednesday, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and so it's just, it's all over the place. And I think it's the universe. I was talking to a, a couple other women last night about this as well. Is the universe is encouraging you to keep going. Mm-hmm. Because just when you think you're putting the final nail in the coffin, you'll get an email that is just enough of a carrot to dangle you yeah. out there to be like, okay, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase you. I'm going right. to chase you. Right. And it's it'll be a win. Yeah. And that, that just is, it's a game. So you talked about the ebb and, ebbs and flows. And like Nicole said, we're all entrepreneurs. Um, Vivian and Nicole are, are moms. And, you know, how do you manage that? I mean, I'm 30 and I feel like, you know, that roller coaster happens probably 20 times in a day. Um, yes. So how do you manage that um, with a staff of 22? You know, not just the business, but then life and then your husband. And what does that look like, you know, with kids and managing Oof. employees that all have yeah, kids? Yeah, the and, work-life balance. Yeah. And how a do puppy. you do it? And a, oh, yeah, we thought and a, puppy. a puppy was a great idea. <laughs> I've been dying for one, but I know I can't have Girl. one yet. Please. I might have one for sale. Help me. <laughs> no. She's really cute. <laughs> She's almost done teething, too. Because all my business. I'm not home enough, but she I gives want one. the babies away. And who do they come to? Mm-hmm. So I know I'm not ready to be a mom. Okay. <laughs> so, work life balance. I don't believe there's such a thing. Okay. Let me just nip that in the bud yeah. right there. I, I applaud that. Okay. I, mm-hmm. I think I, I hate that. And you know what? I, I just. I don't. Uh, the other thing is, no one has ever asked a dude, "How do they do work-life balance?" Mm-hmm. Ever, mm-hmm. ever. Um, and I'll never forget when I was pregnant. Um, at work, people were saying, "Oh, do you are you going to come back? Do you do you still like your job?" I don't. What? How has that changed anything? Right. That has never. The guy gets pregnant, or his wife. <laughs> back in the office. <laughs> hey. It never comes. I mean, it's mind blowing that this still exists right. and still happens. Um, and so I, how I do it, um, uh, and what I'm going to tell you, what my husband would probably say, are just not totally different. Um, I, I, I certainly break down. That's the reality of the beast. Mm-hmm. And I have to be comfortable. I, I like to look at the total month. Mm-hmm. Not on a week-to-week basis, certainly not on a day-to-day. Yeah. But some days I'm, or you know, the, the overall, some days I'm a, I'm a kick-ass CEO. I'm a very good CEO, but I'm a bad mom. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe not as good a mom. Right. Some days I'm a really good mom, and maybe I 
didn't take a meeting as a CEO that I probably could have, right? Yeah. For me, it's looking at that total month and saying, I'm okay with where I did. Yeah. You know, this overall, I had some, I, I felt an even, yeah. an evenness. And that's just, and some months I completely fail all around, but I think I, that's, what I'm, that's what my goal is, right? Yeah. And then if you can sort of fit in an hour in that month for you, then you're golden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I Antonio's name didn't come up in there at all. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying. He probably would be like, what? You break down all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's, it's, you have to get to a place where you're comfortable. And my definition isn't going to work for you. It's your yeah. definition, only your definition, and you own your definition. Right. No one can take it from you, and who cares what other people say about your definition. Right. right? I thought it was really like interesting that. and talking to um, Kelly Coleman, who's someone we all know, who's yeah. another great entrepreneur in this city, is that she said she aims for a formula. That, yeah. that some days that formula is 90 business, 10 mom. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, screw the extracurriculars in my life. Agree. Sometimes it's like a yeah. perfect 33, yeah. 33 for everybody. She's like, it's just a formula. And I have to be happy every day with what that formula is. And that's all that matters is what, mm-hmm. you know, the people that are in my circle, if they feel like they're being served, then we're good. Yeah. <clears throat> I go yeah. off of if I'm functioning on 50%, you can only get 100% of that 50. <laughs> I can't give you any more, right? Yeah. So I, when I wake up in the morning, I was like, hey, I'm not, I'm not functioning at capacity, maximum, optimum, whatever. So they already know, you know. So don't yeah. give me a whole lot of things I can walk because in the I'm office not going to. And look at my mom and be like. You got three hours in today, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm only going to get you for three hours. You're going to sit here for seven or eight, but you're only going to function for three. And she's like, yep. And I'm Absolutely. like, okay, well, let, what time would you like to start your three hours? Because but I bet you your mom accomplishes more in those three hours than most people do in right, an entire exactly. week. <laughs> exactly. So I'm not arguing with it. Mm-hmm. Just like, whatever yes. you got, just tell me. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Let me manage my expectation. <laughs> and women are amazing. We really are. Yes, and we, we are. are the least or least likely to give ourselves credit yeah and, and i'm horrible at it but i'm trying to you know speak it into the universe as a way to help me but we manage and juggle a lot yeah so much and we do it with a smile on our face yep. and pretend like nothing right is going on underneath and it's usually mm-hmm. backwards and in high heels and yeah uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so i i and someone, you know, oh, the, the so age-old issue of, you look great. And you're like, my feet hurt. My dress is too tight. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. And they're like, Spanks just, are just accept that. Like, one Spanx is here. One is down there. Totally. Like, thanks, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I don't, one of the things I've noticed in all the years I've worked with entrepreneurs is the thing that I think people think to find entrepreneurs are people that are willing to jump out of planes and mm-hmm. screw the parachute or have great connections or all the money in the world. But what I've really found is that the people who make great entrepreneurs have great resiliency. Mm-hmm. Have you always been a resilient person? Has it, it uh, you, you can find the silver lining. Is it something you had to teach yourself in this process of ups and downs? Like you, you clearly have the resiliency. Was it something that's always been you? Like I'm just a yeah. naturally resilient person. I will find the silver lining in almost anything. It, was that your nature, or did you find that you had to kind of dig deep and find it once you started this? Good question. I I think I was born this way. Yeah. I've always felt like a fighter. I've always, I've never been naturally gifted at anything. Even with sports, I was, you know, whatever I was playing, I was the first one there and the last one, and I was working twice as hard versus the girl who just came naturally, and she would right. get mm-hmm. the first. I was an ice skater. She would get the jumps on, like, the 10th try, and I would... 
I mean, I would be weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. I would eventually get it, mm-hmm. but it was in, I just nothing's ever come easy to me. So I think I'm just a fighter by by nature. The birth of the hustle. The birth yeah. of the hustle. What about you guys? Mm, I'm not naturally good at sports. <laughs> no, but just like resiliency, like being. Oh, um, oh yeah. yeah, I think so. I don't. I would say that like my parents probably did a horrible job in terms of telling me no. <laughs> okay. And so when they did say no, it always meant later. So like I was always trying to work to make sure that that no was always really a yes. Got it. And so it, I say horrible job in terms of like <laughs> giving it to me straight. <laughs> like, no, you got to work for it. It was like no, but it was like a yes to see if I was still going to do what I was supposed to do or right. if I was going to jump off a deep end. And yeah. so – in reflection, it was like a really huge mind game mm-hmm. <laughs> of like, no, you can't go and see like, are you going to do your chores anyway? <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do all of them and some. Do you want me to go cut the grass? I don't know how to cut the grass. But <laughs> you know, what I mean? like I want to make sure I can go out on Saturday. And so I think it's always hustler. been a, yeah, yeah it's, it's always That's been a hustle hustler. of like, there's no reason for you to tell me no. Yeah. So like I was always about. Even if you said no, I'm going to do everything so that it can turn into a yes. So you're going to rethink that. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're going to talk about this. I'm the why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why not? Why can't I do it this way? But I did X, Y, and Z. So that makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> and keeping them involved in different types of things so that they could experience the interactions with different types of people in different types of environments. And, you know, if there was a competitive component that, you know, was involved in it, then you're not competing with anyone but yourself. So horrible basketball player, horrible softball player, but did I make her run? And did I stand in the stands and cheer and say, go, Jackie? (laughs) (laughs) And I was was athletic. So I played volleyball (laughs) and softball from, you know, like seven all the way through. So the expectation was for them to get into something, not for them to be the best or what have you, but they needed to make sure that they hustled hard, Yeah. they stayed in the game, and they supported their team members. Yeah. So, you know, regardless. I wasn't too bad at basketball. <laughs> I wasn't the best dribbler. Okay. That was never my hand-eye coordination. That never happened. But because I knew I wasn't good at it, I became the best at defense. So it was like, I got to get in the game. My mom's coming. My dad's coming. They're bringing grandma. Like, I can't be on the bench. No, don't give me the ball, but I'll play defense. (laughs) Give me the hardest person on the court. I got that part. If I can just run around a lot, it's good. (laughs) Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, I guess there was one other question. You had started talking about, you know, when you begin to identify that you were a hustler. Mm. Um, so you said that, you know, when you were like seven and then you went transcendent to about 14. So in your adult life, where did you actually begin to see that kind of evolve in you, um, you know, in college? You gave us, an, you know, an example of that from the interview. Yeah. But working with the MLB and, you know, and then making the transition to become an entrepreneur yeah, I think I've always there's I've always done a side hustle, no matter what. Okay. Uh, you know, starting even when I was five, my I wanted a lemonade stand, and this was my first actually this was my first foray into like being an entrepreneur. I set up a little lemonade stand at the edge of my driveway, 
there were three people on my street and I lived like nowhere near another street. <laughs> so what would you learn real early on? Location, 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 right? And I remember I, you know, I'd set up the whole day and my dad, I, I, I called, I walked back into the house. I called my grandpa who lived way on the other side of town. I was like, can you come over? And God bless him. He was always there and he drove all the way across town and bought you know, five cups of lemonade. I'm sure his teeth probably rotted because I made mostly sugar. And then I had a couple neighbors that came by, made four bucks all day. I was real proud of that. Um, and I went back in and my mom said to me, oh, congratulations, you made four bucks. That's great. Uh, let's talk about rent. That was my driveway. <laughs> so she charged me two bucks for rent. I think they're related. She's a slumlord, your mother. <laughs> totally. Two bucks. So I got two bucks for the rent. And then she's like, by the way, where'd you get the supplies for lemonade? I was like, in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Like, Guess who paid for that? She's related to Vivian. <laughs> must be. Must know my mom. And so I had to pay her, you know, $1.50 for the supplies and the ice and everything. So I was like, ended up with 25 cents. <laughs> I was so, that was... Did she meter the water you used? I mean, everything. I mean, it was a great lesson, it right? Was. It yeah. totally was. And, and I think, and so I, that was my, that, that, I don't even think my mom knows how much that stuck with me. And so that certainly has translated through to mm-hmm. today. And even, you know, even with working with the Tigers and not necessarily it was like financially motivated, but I was, you know, I finally got a foot in the door uh, as an intern in, in one department that wasn't where I wanted to stay you know so I was how do I volunteer mm-hmm. in the other department that I really liked so mm-hmm. I would work my hours in the one department and I would ask what do you need help with yeah. you know how do I how do I get involved and do some legal work because I was a lawyer you know mm-hmm. how do I and so I would work at night I would work till 3 a.m. like teaching myself what I needed to do so it's yeah. always been that mentality of how can I how can I improve how can I learn how can I be better and yeah. I think that that's where the heart of the hustle comes from. What was the the pivotal moment that you decided I'm writing my letter of resignation? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm which wasn't at the Tigers. You had you had transitioned. I had taken, but I think that was that was the first step, and that was the hardest because, uh, and it was very, 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 very emotional for me because that was my dream. I never in a million years thought that once I got in, I would walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Ever. And it's still it's still kind of hard to to talk about because I had fought so hard to get in but I think one of the things I I learned was it's okay for your passions to change as you mature and to watch them evolve and to I fought it man did I fight it and what I truly learned about myself is when you pause and you can remove your ego your ego gets in the way of a lot of things if you can if you can let it go and just really scrape down into what makes you happy um, and I really loved I loved working with these women. I loved the challenge of empowering them and moving them to the next phase of their life. And that's that's what was the raw energy that I really harnessed. And it wasn't necessarily what I was doing at the Tigers anymore. And, and how do I, if I could, again, let go of being Amy from the Tigers, Amy from you know working in sports, that, that, that so much was part of my identity. It's what I moved here for. If I could get rid of it. To, what does that look like? And I did, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah. And just in 2018, you are become the full-time CEO of Rebel yeah, Mill. Yeah, only, only since August of 2018 have I been mm. full-time at Rebel Mill. Oh, wow. wow. Now you have to find another side hustle. Now I'm going to find another <laughs> side hustle. So kind of wrapping things up, what do you think are some of the biggest myths 
about being an entrepreneur? What are the things people you think people hear or see through social media mm. or through people who have really we look to as like those successful entrepreneurs and being in the middle of it, you're like, yeah, no. Oh, Stacy Lovelace yesterday on a panel said this, uh, and she used to play for the Shock, the Detroit Shock. Um, the woman on top of the mountain wasn't just placed there. And I love that because I think we so often see these very successful entrepreneurs and you have this mindset of an entrepreneur. They fly around on jets and they've got this great life and they've got all the time in the world to take mm-hmm. vacation. They have earned all of that. They, yes. You don't see the dark periods and, and all of the struggles and the scary moments. Mm-hmm. And that that part is not... Um, not sensationalized you know you don't you don't hear about the really really dark but you're starting to more and more but like woohoo all the failures yes yeah and failure is important and and resiliency is 99 percent of it to get to that to get to the top of the mountain and you're gonna lose oxygen and you're gonna find all these struggles and it's just Mm-hmm. That's that's what being an entrepreneur is, and so that I think is the greatest misconception is that people often just yeah. see like it, you're just they just see you at the top. It, it isn't about the not getting knocked down; it's about every time you have to get back up, mm-hmm. yes. a thousand yeah. times, if not more. Oh yeah, if not, <laughs> and that more. was just Wednesday. That was <laughs> right. just yes. Yeah. So, out of all of your lessons, um, what would you say today? Out of everything that shaped you, do you believe in wholeheartedly? Oh, that's wow! It's a good question. That's a deep question. What do I believe in this shaped me wholeheartedly? I truly believe that being a good person will serve you well in life, and I, and I don't mean that to be sound so self-serving. It's just I I I like people. I genuinely like love people. I love getting to know their stories and hearing that and. It's amazing that those connections, and I'm, I'm pushing them more and more on my end, I never really, um, what's the right way to say this? Like, I, I've always, I've never, I've just collected people. Like, I've never thought about using them. And I was explaining this to, <laughs> to you earlier, like, or, and using so the wrong word, but the, you have a network that's so important. And I just have always enjoyed playing the role of connecting people. Mm-hmm. And I've never liked asking for help. And... And I'm, I'm learning to do a little bit better job of, of relying on this amazing group of people that I've met to, to ask for advice, to get some guidance, to tell me where to go. And I think because of the relationships I've built, that is, that is starting to come back to me. And I'm, I'm very grateful. It's still a weird place to be in, mm-hmm. to open those doors and to be so vulnerable, to be like, I need help. Can you help me? And the generosity that's coming back, I'm I'm. I'm blown away by and it'll probably get me to cry because I just it, there's also there's a lot of good people in the world despite yeah. the negativity that we're surrounded by mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, and I think you worked in a non-traditional environment because when I transitioned from working as a math teacher um, from IT and banking you know when you looked around a table it was a bunch of men in suits yeah so how dare you ask one of them or let one of them know that you don't know how to do something Oh, you know, you're so right. You're already feeling this small, and you shrink even smaller because now they feel like they have something that they can hold over your head, hundred you know, percent, or to use to manipulate you, you know. And oftentimes, it's inappropriate stuff. So, yeah. 
Yes, I get you're, it. you're absolutely right. And I think that's a lot of where my fear comes from. And so now breaking down that, that barrier and that wall um, has has been a very enlightening and, and humbling experience. Mm-hmm. So I think you're spot on. Thank you. That's like great therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find Rebel Now? What do you have going on in 2019? So you can find Rebel Nell at rebelnell.com. That's R-E-B-E-L-N-E-L-L. And uh, just a, that's a shout out to one of our favorite badass women, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> she was she was the Nell. She's the Nell in uh, Rebel Nell. Oh, nice. And uh, for 2019, we've got a, a bunch of exciting things. Um, we're hopefully going to have a new space soon. TBD, but hopefully coming soon. Um, we're launching in Chicago at the end of April, awesome. which is a big deal for us. And uh, we're going to do a pop-up in Nordstrom's on March 16th. Okay. In Chicago? Or? No, here, in, in, in Somerset. Yeah. Okay. And then Ooh. for those that are all over the country, you will be in Renegade Chicago this spring. You will yes. be in Renegade LA this spring. Yes. So people can find you there as well as all the stores that you are lo- located in. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Amy. Thank, Thank you, guys. This was so much fun. <laughs> awesome. It was. It Thank was great. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, share, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen. We should definitely hang out more. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at thehumblehustle.co and on our website at www.thehumblehustle.co. Have questions? Need advice? Have an idea? Drop us a line at hello at thehumblehustle.co. We are proudly recorded in the studios of Motor City Woman. All production and editing is by Robin Kinney. 